And welcome to the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as we are going to be recapping the first joint practice between the Lions and the Giants in Motown. We're going to get to your phone calls at 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. He is Paul Latino. I'm Lance Meadow. Thanks so much for spending part of your Tuesday with us as the first day of practice between both of these teams is in the books. Members of the Giants are talking to the media right now, so we'll keep you posted on that front. I think the big news that came out of yesterday's practice before we get into what transpired today. Paul was Saquon Barkley tweaked his hamstring after the practice. A Pat mild Shermer, strain. Correct. Clarified that it was a mild strain and that they were going to be smart moving forward. Now, he was briefly on the practice field today, did some individual work, and then moved to work with the training staff. So it remains to be seen whether or not they're actually going to throw him out there for the second preseason game. I would not be surprised if they take it very easy and maybe he stays on the sidelines in that contest. Well, according to Paul Schwartz of the New York Post, who is out there and, and one of the better reporters on the beat, um, he said that Shermer has mentioned uh, Barkley. If he is ready to play Friday, he will. But I mean, that statement is extremely vague. Of course. Because then, obviously, if he's not ready, he won't. <laughs> and so the medical staff will determine exactly what Saquon Barkley does, not just in Friday's game, but what he does the rest of the week. Same thing with Odell Beckham, who did not play in the first preseason game, and Pat Shermer said they're taking it very slowly, they're taking it easy, but he did take part in a lot of one-on-one -on -one drills with the Lions defensive backs, and he was matched up a lot with Darius Slate today, mm -hmm. who is arguably the best Lions corner, and made a number of plays on him. So, you know, every time we see Odell Beckham get tested by another individual, tested by somebody in practice, it's almost like you put another check mark there, Paul, mm -hmm. in monitoring his progress in rehabbing from this ankle injury. I totally agree with you, Lance, because, you know, Odell admitted when he had his pressure with us about a week or so ago that it had only been in the last month when he truly started to feel close to 100%. He even said he wasn't there yet, but he was really close he had said that as recently as two months ago, so let me make something clear. As recently as two months ago, Beckham said that he felt something in his ankle when he was cutting. Now, at that point, he was posting all kinds of videos online. Working out and so working forth. Working out, doing all kinds of things. We were getting messages from people on Twitter saying, look, Odell looks great. Oh, he's, he's, he's fine. He's healthy. What we now know is that those videos, in part, were an illusion because he himself said, as recently as two months ago, he still felt it in his ankle and he wasn't right. So despite whatever he was showing us on video, he was not feeling as good as he looked. And I think that is significant because it tells you that the Giants were right to hold him back in minicamp and limit him, that they were right to hold him back as training camp started a little bit, you know, he was out there doing things in a rotation. He wasn't out there getting, you know, mega load. And it, it tells me that Shermer was being prudent the entire time and will continue to be prudent during the course of the preseason. And he has stressed, the coach that is, that he will do whatever Beckham needs to do to get ready for Jacksonville. Coach has made it very clear. The end game is Jacksonville. And it should be. Darn straight it should yeah. be. So if the medics and Shermer believe 
that Beckham should not play even one preseason snap, then he won't. And contract talks aside, that has nothing to do with this. Because, you know what, Lance? As much as Odell Beckham wants to ensure his future with a nice new deal, the Giants don't want Beckham going out there and getting hurt. Trust me, they will probably be more upset if Beckham gets hurt in a preseason game this month than he would himself. The one player that comes to mind, Paul, and you obviously would remember this, Hakeem Nix, the year that he hurt himself in a spring workout, if you recall. I think Mm -hmm. it was a broken foot, if memory serves me correctly. He came back for the final preseason game. Yep. And he played briefly and then was ready to go start of the season. Now, the only reason why I bring that up is that's a player that was hurt far Hakeem had a lot of injuries. He did. He had a lot of injuries, but he was hurt much closer to the season than Odell Beckham. And, you know, they weren't necessarily rushing him along, but he did get in right at the tail end of the preseason. You wonder if they continue to follow this path, would there be perhaps the need to maybe just get him out there for a series or two in the final preseason game before he suits up for week one? I've said all along I could see them potentially giving him a handful of token snaps by the time the preseason's over, but not put him in harm's way. He might just run a couple of routes. They may not even throw it to him. Or if they do, maybe it's a wide receiver screen. He catches it on the sideline and steps out of bounds. I don't think if he does anything in the preseason at all that he's going to be involved in any traffic. They're going to keep him clean if he even takes a snap. That's my opinion. I also think there's a real chance that they decide not to even put him in a game. I think, though, it's a positive sign for him to even be taking part in some of these one-on-one matchups with the Lions in live practices, Mm -hmm. joint practices. I mean, to me, that's a significant step because you're still getting good productive work out of that regardless of whether or not you get into a preseason game. Yes, I definitely agree with that. So there's value in that. I mean, Darius Slay is probably not taking it easy on him. No, not at all. Because obviously he's looking to press himself and get better. And the Lions, I think, overall have a really good secondary, too. Glover Quinn is one of their safeties. It's not as if they have a bunch of unknown commodities back there. For me, I would very much like to see the video on the Slay Beckham drills because we've seen Odell look like Odell here against guys he knows. I don't know that Odell is still Odell until I see him do it against somebody who doesn't know him. That's when I'll truly know if he's got the moves, the acceleration, the speed, the quickness, the jukes. He's got to go against somebody who he doesn't know in pads, in cleats, on a field. I do think there is a significant amount of information to gain by looking at him go against the Lions. I really do. I'm with you there. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow. Thanks for tuning in to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. So in terms of the schedule, today was the first joint practice. They're going to have another one tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Then Thursday, they're also going to have a joint practice. Pat Shermer said they're going to go about two-thirds quickness-wise. Yes. And then Friday night, they will have the game in Detroit. Let's open up the phone lines, get your thoughts on a variety of subjects, including the upcoming preseason game. We start things off with Duke in Queens. Duke, what's happening? Hey guys, what's up? It's been a while. Hi. Since I've spoken to either of you, what's up? Um, honestly, I have a, a, a few thoughts, and just give me a little time here. Um, first thought, uh, Davis Webb, man, 
I, I didn't get the call before the preseason game. And in watching the preseason game, you know, there's two things I just, I just don't like. One, he doesn't look like he's having fun, like that, that much fun. He just, it just seems like he's under a lot of pressure. When he, there is no pressure, just, just go out and have fun. That's one. And two, like the, the plays that he makes when he's under pressure, like when he's getting rushed, it's just, it's always all over the place. It's, it's never, he never, he's, he's not good at saving a play. And that's what you need. When you look at all these past few Super Bowl winning teams, Carson Wentz, Tom Brady, Russell, Russell Wilson, they all can save a play. And we need that. All right. So I, I honestly would love for the Giants to go somewhere else and get a quarterback. I don't think, I don't get why these, uh, us fans think that the, the, the new quarterback has to be on his team. No, he doesn't have to be on his team. And I've been looking at some of the future prospects. They don't look that great. So let's go and get some of these guys that are second string. That can that should be starting. Like Tyrod Taylor, like Teddy Bridgewater. How about we go and get one of those guys? It's no problem. It's no problem. Well, you got to give okay. up assets for that. And I think obviously... Not if, much, though. Come on. Well, I, I, I disagree with you there. I think Tyrod Taylor has value, and I think so does Teddy Bridgewater. And I guarantee you, with the way the Jets quarterbacks are playing, if those guys continue to flourish in the preseason, they could very well ship one of those out of town. Yeah. And there's going to be a team that needs a starting quarterback that will probably be willing to give up some assets in order to get a Josh McCown or a Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not saying that both of them are going to be traded, but I, I think you're undervaluing the importance of a starting quarterback, especially for a team that doesn't have a starter right now that they feel. The Giants are in a position where they they know they have a starter. Right now, you're arguing they should maybe work on who's behind the starter. I don't know if that's priority right number now. one this no, season. not right now. I'm talking about in a few years. Eli, I yeah, but, well, I but, my, but my point is, Duke, my point is Teddy Bridgewater may not even be on the Jets by the time the preseason ends. So he may not even be a realistic option when we're talking okay. about this next season, and he could very well be a free agent where you could just sign him outright and you don't have to worry about trading him. All right. Um, uh, next point. Um, I mean, I always bash Eli Apple on here, but I just want the guy to do good. Um, that preseason stuff that happened, that's nothing. You know, I really, I really want the guy to do good, and I just want him to be like – he doesn't – you know, there's a lot of guys on the team that are new that, that seem like they're happy to be on the Giants, that they're proud to be on the Giants. And I know it's a huge stretch to say that he's not, but it just doesn't seem like it to me. He's another guy that just seems like he's under pressure. He, he has a lot to prove. And I'm, I'm not one. Like, I played sports most of my life, man. I was never under pressure. It's always about having fun. I don't care what paper I get, what money, what contract, anything. I just want to have fun. So I just another guy that just seems like he's under pressure. There's that. And then uh, the O-line looked great, looked great. Eric Flowers looked good. Patrick Omame, smart dude that's next to him, a guy that can help out and see, you know, uh, if there's pressure on that side, if he has to help out or not. I'm glad that he's paired with Patrick Omame because I love that guy. Um, uh, Saquon looked great during the uh, preseason game. I hope this injury stuff is not too bad. I hope he can bounce back. You saw what happened to Darius Geis, you know, so it's foolish to, to play some of these really high – ranking uh, uh, um, draft picks every game, every preseason game. Just have him sit out one or two. So I don't mind him sitting out the next two games. Yeah, he's fun to watch, but come on. We'd rather him get hurt, and, and then that's it. You know, so, so yeah. And, and um, so, like, to leave off a question before I get off, I just want you guys to, to tell me, like, what's up with the quarterback position? It's not looking great. There's a lot of good teams that are going to be playing with a lot of great quarterbacks. 
Do you guys even think this is fun? Because I do not think it's fun at all. I like Eli, but he can't save a play. Like, he can't maneuver. He can save a play, but he can't maneuver around the pocket. Like, he, he can't, you know, run out, make a, you know, last-ditch play. Like, even Baker did in the preseason. He can't do that. So it's like the, the, the competition is ramping up and up and up. And for some reason, this idiot league seems to always want to give us the hardest competition. I get it. We're in, in, in a hard division. But it always got, we always have the hardest schedules for some reason. So if you guys, well, I mean, listen, point. they're playing the same teams that everybody else is playing within the NFC East. I'd appreciate your phone call, Duke. So, I mean, right, I'm thanks. not one to jump on the bandwagon saying the league is going out of its way to test the Giants. I disagree with that sentiment. It's the luck of the rotation. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't fault the league there. The no. bottom line is they're playing every team with the exception of the two opponents you play within the conference that you finish the same place with across the conference. But That's the only know, difference. But you do know of the conspiracy, right? And what is the conspiracy? That the Patriots must stay in the ridiculously horrible AFC East. Uh, there's a conspiracy. I didn't from, know that. Oh, from really? Here okay. to, from yeah. here to eternity, the That's Patriots, the Patriots yes. get to play in the AFC least – so that they can always win the division. So the league has gone out of its way to make sure that the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Buffalo Bills have not found a quarterback over the last decade or two, right? That they've only maybe flashed here or there. Look, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking there's got to be some football god up there with a magic wand. It's possible. That has done something to that division that has just allowed them to waltz into the division championship year after year after year. There's got to be. Oh. I think uh, one team drafts well and grooms his <laughs> players well, and I think the other three maybe you know, leave a little room to be desired there. Well, well, I'm having fun with you. Yes, but, but, oh, absolutely. But, but honestly, I do have one thing I'm going to say, and, and I'm sorry we've already lost him off the line. I am not wavering one bit on Davis Webb, not one bit, because I have seen on a daily basis over a year's body of work what you saw – was two quarters of a preseason game that went poorly. Okay? I advise anybody who wants to jump off of the Davis Webb bandwagon, or for that matter, just wants to throw stones at him, do yourself a favor, okay? Go buy mutual funds instead of playing the daily stock market. Because that's what you're doing when you criticize Davis Webb. You're playing the daily stock market, okay? You're a daily trader. That's what you are. Because if if you're going to make significant moves and formulate significant opinions off of two quarters of a preseason opener, then my goodness, you, you're in the wrong business. You're just in the wrong business. Because any smart banker will tell you you play the mutual funds, you get in it for the long term, yep. and you watch it grow over the course of time, and you live with some of the ups and downs. You want to put all your money in a daily stock? Go right ahead. Lose your shirt. Be my guest. Well, it's a small sample size at this point. It means nothing. I mean, he played last preseason. That was a small sample size. I think after you see him in all four games this preseason, you know, I, I think there's a little bit more there to tell. What he's done, the something adjustments he's made. On. Something to chew on. Yeah, I, I think there's a little bit more there. Absolutely. What I saw in the opener against the Browns is I saw there were plays out there to be made, and I saw him identifying the players to target. Mm -hmm. What I saw was, and he's worded it as a little too amped up, 
the juice is flowing too much, a little too much mustard on some of the throws, Paul. I think he was trying to be too perfect. I really It's do. possible. It's possible. But, you know, that's why, like anything else, when a player has a rough game, you're very anxious to see what they do when they bounce mm-hmm. back. So here's a golden opportunity Friday. Let's see what Davis Webb does. Does he bounce back? Is it a continuation of this? Then I think you have more to go by to say, hey, this could get better or perhaps this is a turning point. Just to show you how ridiculous his critics are after the Browns game, if he goes out against the Lions and lights it up and let's say goes 10 of 14 for 130 yards and two touchdowns, then we should automatically put him in can. No, absolutely right? not. Yeah, he but should, you're right. He well, should go to the Hall of Fame. It goes from one right? extreme to the opposite extreme. Exactly. Yeah. That's why you got to stay in the middle ground. That that that's where I am right like now. Like I said, pl- that's where you got to stay. If, if that's the way you want to be, play the daily stock market. Go ahead and yeah. lose your shirt. That's that's fine. I got no problem with that. Yeah, you got to see more preseason games. And listen, aside from Webb, and I'm not trying to take away from Webb, but you know, I also want to see more from Kyle Loletta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sample size is minute compared to Davis Webb. Let, let's see what he does in terms of his progressions moving forward I think forward we here. will see a lot of both of them in the preseason. I agree. Pat yeah. Sherman knows what Eli can do. But Loletta showcased you know, his decision-making, helped draw a pass interference play against mm-hmm. Cleveland on a deep throw. You know, He even admitted there wasn't a great deal of opportunity. Sometimes the pocket was collapsing, but that's a good test. That's actually good material to observe a quarterback with. One, one thing I will be anxious to see is if Davis Webb gets a chance to operate with the first-team offense this week. When he came out onto the field the other day, Sterling Shepard was still out there, but it was all reserves. You know, the the people who are quick to, to crucify him after that Browns game, how many of them realized that he was operating behind second stringers? You know, could you at least wait till he has a chance to operate with the first stringers? And, oh, by the way, chances are he's not even going to get a chance to play with Odell Beckham Jr. in the preseason. And how much better does Odell Beckham Jr. make all quarterbacks? Oh, of course. But I think, in fairness, the comeback to that poll is going to be you can only judge a player based on who was out there on the field. And, I mean, we can speculate about everything. Listen, I go back to last season, Paul, and I could say if Odell Beckham doesn't get hurt and Eli has a few other weapons to work with, I mean, do the numbers increase? Yeah, I don't think that's crazy to say. Does that mean the team's going to the playoffs? No, I don't think that's guaranteed. But I think at this point, you want to judge the player for what he does out on the field with the talent that was out there instead of playing the coulda, woulda, shoulda game. So my philosophy is more of let's see a few more preseason games before we make bold declarations. No question. That, that's, really, that's really my point. Way to look at it. No, and I'm with you there. My, my, I'm completely my point with you is the over-exaggeration to bury this guy now is ridiculous. Go ahead. Let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with Jason in Maine. Jason, welcome aboard. What do you got? Hey, how are you guys doing today? Doing well, Jason. Hi. What's on your mind? Um, I just want to uh, get your guys' opinion so far on what you've seen in our safety position. Is there a couple of guys that you can talk about that you think are emerging as possible starters, possible guys that could uh, be the favorites for the job? Well, there's four players that have had first-team reps with Landon Collins. 
It started with Curtis Riley, who was brought in from Tennessee. He actually is switching from corner to safety this offseason. Darian Thompson, who was in all 16 games last season after being hurt his rookie year. Michael Thomas, who was brought in from the Miami Dolphins, mainly a special teamer, but has started and appeared in plenty of defensive attacks for the Miami Dolphins over the course of his career. And then the fourth and final spot is Andrew Adams, who filled in for Darian Thompson two years ago when Darian Thompson got hurt as a rookie. At this point, Jason... I don't think anyone has separated themselves from the pack. Curtis Riley didn't play the first preseason game because he was injured, and they were alternating guys in and out, so it wasn't as if we saw one guy in with Landon Collins for an overwhelming amount of reps. If you're asking me my opinion, and I know Paul and I have had discussions, I'm very high on Michael Thomas. I like his opportunity. I would like to see him get a shot to be a more well-rounded defensive player, and I would probably say that he and Andrew Adams I would put near the top compared to the other two, mainly because Riley's gotten hurt, and I think Darian Thompson is still trying to come into his own, Paul. Well, Darian Thompson has a hamstring injury, so he suffered that on special teams in the game against Cleveland, so he has hurt himself in the competition because he's not available. I I don't know exactly what he's going to do in Detroit or if he'll even play in the game, Uh, and that makes things tough for him. Uh, as far as Curtis Riley, he got nicked up last week, so he missed the Browns game, but he's back at practice, and I would expect him to play against the Lions. I did think going into the Cleveland game, in my mind, Curtis Riley had put a nose ahead of the rest of the guys. In my mind. Not in the coach's mind. He has said it's wide open. I think Riley had, had nosed ahead. I would also say Andrew Adams, who is really more of a strong safety than he is a free safety, which is why it makes it difficult. If he was a natural free safety, it'd be easy. He'd be the guy. Um, although, again, based on Darian Thompson's past, I, you know, I really thought originally he would be the guy, and that hasn't worked out very well. And that's what happens with the injury bug. Andrew Adams had six solo tackles against Cleveland, was very involved, was around the ball constantly, and played well. I think after the Browns game that Andrew Adams asserted himself. So to me, right now, Adams and Riley are the two guys to watch in Detroit on Friday night. I I really believe that, but that's just me. Okay, okay. Um, Paul, could you just give us like a little description? What's the difference between the free and strong safeties? Like, what what are the differences? Between well, the typically, positions? typically, and remember, Betcher's system is so fluid that you know, he's going to be playing guys all over the place out of what is their usual nomenclature positions. But the free safety is usually the ball hawk. He's the guy who's got more range, more coverage skills, more speed. He's the guy who's going to be the last line of defense a lot of times, especially in zone coverage. He's the center fielder. Your strong safety is the guy who not only is going to go up against uh, man-to-man coverage against a a tight end. He's also going to play pseudo linebacker. He's going to play in the box a lot. He'll blitz more. Um, You know, he's more of an impact player against the run. He's usually bulkier, more physical, uh, bigger frame, stronger, um, better hitter, better tackler. Although your free safety has got to be able to tackle too. Let's not kid ourselves. Because he may be the only guy in the open field. Yeah. Um, Typically... That's the difference, but again, with Betcher, he's just so involved in motion and pre-snap schemes and trickery that, uh, you know, 
you're going to see Landon Collins all over the place. He doesn't really have a true position. Landon Collins is a defensive rover, if nothing else. Okay. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, I appreciate it. That's all I got. All right, Jason. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, James Betcher's moved his safeties around every which way if you go back to Arizona. And also a guy named Dayon Buchanan who was a safety, was then eventually moved to linebacker. That doesn't mean that Landon Collins is going to make the same move, but he has been known for tweaking his personnel. That's well, why I bring that up. Think of Troy Palomalu, who was, when he was with the Steelers, he was simply called safety. They didn't even call him a free safety or a strong safety. They just called him a safety because he did everything yeah, for them. he was a roving player. So no, That's a good example. Let's head back to the phone lines. Dave is in Hartford. Dave, what's happening? Hey, how are you guys? It's Dave from Cranford. How you been? Oh, Dave from Cranford. Hi. Welcome yeah. aboard, Dave. Sorry, Do well. Yeah, no, no, no worries. We put you in hey. Hartford. You're, you're a guy that travels just like Troy Palomalu, so we're <laughs> building parallels. That's yeah. right, lad. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask um, um, if you guys had seen, it was something we had talked about very briefly, but um, what they did for the first game and who was up in the box and who was, who was on the sideline. I know, Paul, you had actually, I think you had asked that uh, during one of your press conferences, but... I was wondering um, who you know who they put up you know from an offensive standpoint who was up in the box and who was on the sideline during the game. Mike Shula's on the bench. Okay. Yeah, Mike Shula's on the bench because he had been on the bench in Carolina. Coach Shermer said he liked the way that worked because not only is Mike more comfortable on the bench, but it also allows Shula then to spend personal time with the quarterbacks, and he would rather them yeah. have face to face than being on a phone. Because he's also the okay. quarterback's coach in addition to the right. OC. Okay. Okay, good, good. Hey, I, you know, it's funny. I, I think the thing I took away from the Cleveland game more than anything, because I think it's going to play into, to, particularly on the defensive side, was, uh, was stopping the run. And I think if you look at it from Betcher's history, he's always coached a, a top 10 uh, defense against the run, not, not by mistake. And I think that plays into the big question when we think about the defense in terms of how they're going to get pressure on the quarterback and that the, the first thing you really want to do is, is where, where all of his schemes and all of his exotic blitzes really work is when they're in, you know, second and third and long. And, and obviously to do that, you gotta, you gotta stop the run on first and second down, which I think obviously they showed that they, they did. And I think the way the defense is obviously set up, that's going to be their priority. And and um, I think when you think about the teams we're going to play, you know, the Cowboys twice, um, you know, a number of other teams that e- even the Eagles, Eagles, I think yeah, are, I would are very Philly good there, running yeah. running the ball. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Listen, you go back to last season, Dave. I mean, it's well documented. The Giants could not stop the run. And as a result, teams had field days on third down because very few teams are facing third and longs. They were facing third and manageables. So Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think one of the biggest takeaways – now, keep in mind, the first-team defense didn't play for the majority of the game, but the unit overall, which I think says a lot about the depth, everybody did a good job pitching in and stopping the run. Cleveland ran the ball 33 times. They picked up 50 yards. That's one and a half yards per carry. I think the longest run of the night was seven. Correct. That was by Matthew yep. Days. Nick Chubb, yep. who was there, one of their top rookies, 15 carries for 11 yards. Shut down totally. Yeah. I thought yep. Robert Thomas I agree. looked like Snacks Harrison. He was yep. that good the other night. Very strong game. Had a sack, too. Yep. Yeah, the yeah, defensive and, and, tackles and I, did a nice job. I think A.J. Francis uh, you know, yep. also has, has flashed yep. and looked well. I, I, I think they actually have, which is something that Gettleman wanted, I actually think with Kerry Wynn, Thomas, Francis, 
you know, a couple of those guys, I think they have a situation where they can rotate that defensive line and not have a big drop-off um, in terms of bringing in that second unit. Um, and I think that's a, a really important thing in terms of how the game goes, you know, particularly in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, I, look, Tomlinson really showed me a lot as a rookie last year. He was on the all-rookie team. Yep. And and I think the sky's the limit for him. I just think he's yep. a really, really smart and and physical player. And I can't say enough, nor can the coaches, about B.J. Hill coming in this year from NC State. Yep. I mean, these are two very young, very exciting players if, yep. if you're coach uh, James Betcher head, heading up that defense. Yeah, I, I, and, I, and I just want to give you this one last comment, guys, is that you know, this sport more than any other, you know, the impact of coaching is dramatic. And I, and I think when you look at the, the change in the roster, and I know we get into analyzing player by player, which is, which is fun and necessary, but I think the biggest thing that's going to have an impact on this team is, you know, uh, Shermer, uh, you know, uh, his offensive scheme, his game planning, his play calling. That's true, the same thing on defense as well as a lot of their position coaches. And I think you can look at it, and you look at last year, and you look at Jacksonville, and that roster didn't change much, and they changed coaching. And you go look at the Rams, and that roster didn't change much, and they changed coaching. And, and, and you know, so I think to me, when I look at this going forward, and that's why I think people have to pump the brakes on the preseason a little bit, because um, you don't have game planning. You don't have a whole lot of scheming. I think they're testing things. You notice in the, against Cleveland, even in our run game, we ran right a lot of times, and I think that was just to kind of test the right side of the line and see what we could do on that side. Um, I think that they, you know, I think they'll have a lot of runs to the left because I think they'll, you know, um, but I don't think they uh, they don't need to do that. So I think that's where you're going to see a big impact in terms of where the season's going to go. So you guys have a great day. Thanks for taking my call, like always, guys. All right, Dave. Thank appreciate you. the phone call. Thanks uh, for waiting. I understand what he said in a general perspective. Certainly he's got a good point there. But let's not forget Jacksonville drafted Fournette. They signed Calais Campbell. Um, Very significant additions to the roster. It's not just as simple as changing the coach and everything magically gets better. It can get better, and I think it has gotten better here with the Giants. But, of course, the Giants have done quite a bit to retool the roster themselves. No, I agree. I think it's a combination of both. And it's got to be. that's what the last caller was alluded to and what you added. Uh, how about A.J. Boye was also added in the secondary right. for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's not forget you about that. You think they're happy to have him? I think they're ecstatic. <laughs> they added players at every level. Yes, the coaching staff did change. But remember, Doug Marone was the interim coach and then basically got the permanent title. So he was already there. I just think that when you put sometimes coaches in different roles and they have more of a prominent voice, they're a little bit more influential, yeah, then maybe the culture, the landscape of the team could change. That's certainly well documented. Same thing with the Rams. I mean, I think Wade Phillips has had a significant impact on that defense, and he's not necessarily the head coach. So, you know, there's another example where I could see it going both ways. And, you know, they added some new faces on defense as well. Todd Gurley was healthy. Jared Goff has come a long way in terms of his development. Certainly a combination of multiple factors. Yep. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Coach Marvin's in Delaware. Coach Marvin, what's happening? Hey, how you doing, Lance? My man, Paul. Hi. Doing well, Coach. What do you got for us? Oh, man, I, I didn't get a chance to call yesterday. I had so much on that evaluation of the game uh, last Thursday, um, offensively and defensively. Okay. Uh, 
on the uh, offensive side, you, you got um, the first thing I want to start off is with with um, the run by um, um, Barkley and how many different things he showed on that run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he showed vision. Um, he showed a jump step. Um, he showed elusiveness. He showed acceleration, and then all of a sudden you saw the speed. All of that in one run. So. Yep. Uh, there was a lot in that one run you could see. Um, Coach Marvin, that. you're leaving out something. What's that? He wasn't careless with the football either. No, he wasn't. Uh, you know, I, I, he, he had a good grip on it. Power. Right, right, right. And and the thing he did that was also good is uh, he set the blocks up well. Ingram came out and said how well he set that mm-hmm. block up. And I did say that about it when people were saying, well, why should we draft him if we can't up? the offensive line. My thing was uh, sometimes a, a good running back knows how to set those blocks up, and he did that. And uh, that was outstanding uh, play by him. Um, the, the second thing on the offense, which would be the last thing I talk about on the offense, is uh, people talking about the quarterback. Um, I watched the game the first time. I had to go back and watch it a second time and try to break it down the second time. And um, Webb didn't, you know, Webb, Webb was a little high. Well, he was high on his throws. Um, but it seems to me, I'm not for sure, but it looks like he wasn't. He was using his arm more than his legs. Mm-hmm. He, threw a, he threw a pass on a, a flag route. I can't remember who ran it. Should have been a touchdown. Raymond. He, he threw it to the inside when he should have threw it to the flag. And that probably would have been a touchdown. And I just felt that he was throwing those balls flat-footed when I went back and looked at it the second time. I don't know if that's causing it to go high. I'm sure that they're they're looking at that. But um, maybe he was a little nervous. But those throws are there. His arm is strong. And he can make every throw on the field. You can see it. It's just that he's got to put it there a little, a little better. Yeah. Um, Two things, uh, Coach Marvin, real quick before you go to the other side of the ball. I agree with you about Davis. I think because he was so amped up, wanted to be so perfect, he was tight. And when guys get tight, usually their mechanics are the first thing that gets thrown out of whack. So that would be my answer to that. Uh, Barkley, I thought what was even more significant about Barkley, and I thought that the the 39-yard run was huge for all the reasons that you just stated – But there was another play that we actually showed on the MSG show last night when I was hosting with Sean O'Hara. It was a simple run, okay, to the right side. It got strung out, and he wound up with only three yards on the play. But I want to give credit to the offensive line and and, and the tight end, uh, Jamal Jamal Adams up front. uh, Jarrell Adams. Jarrell Adams Adams up front. Because it was the kind of play that in the past, when a Giants running back got that ball – and he took that first step toward the line, there'd have been a defender already attached to his hips, his knees, and or his ankles. But in this particular play, the Giants' offensive line, the guys up front, they sealed off that, that front low, that front hole, okay? And from tackle to tackle, even though they didn't get any push or any movement or create a crease, you could argue, oh, that's bad. I'm going to say it's good. Because what happened was the defense got held up at the line of scrimmage. Barkley said, okay, I can't go where I'm supposed to go. I'm going to cut and go around the dam. And he went around the dam, was one-on-one with a guy on the outside, couldn't, couldn't beat him, 
got tackled, but it was a three-yard gain instead of a three-yard loss. And that is where the combination of Barkley's talent and the improved blocking up front will dramatically help this team because, as Eli Manning has told us a billion times, stay out of negative plays. Yeah. The fewer negative plays you have, the better off you're going to be. And, Coach Marvin, I can't say that strongly enough. Right, right. And I did see the show. I did watch the show uh, yesterday. Okay. I saw that show yesterday, and I did see that film. And then, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a good play on him. And the offensive line held up enough that it didn't leak totally right. so that he could get outside. So exactly. Guys on that back Huge. Side. Huge, because That's now good. it's second and seven instead of second down and 13. Right. That's right. That's right. So that that was a, a a good run. That some people would look at it as negative, but it was a good run. And mm-hmm. the, the the normal fan would look at, ah, oh, he didn't get it. You know, you look. They looking for a big run every time. Coach and Marvin, I looking for the whole run. Exactly. Somebody actually right. got to me on Twitter, and I, and I was describing this play, and he goes to me, oh, he only got three yards. What's the big deal? Right. No, they, it they is a big deal. Right. They don't see it the same way. They don't understand the play calling. And as I say, play calling is not uh, something you just throw plays up against the wall. You, you're trying to make yards, but you're trying to set them up mm-hmm. for something yeah. else later on. No doubt and, about that, too. Yeah, yeah. So situational football, you know, people don't understand situational football, especially uh, average, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, in my opinion, an average fan. And I have that problem when I dealt with parents that they just didn't understand <laughs> what we were trying to do. Sometimes but, I think we feel like we're well, dealing with parents too. It's sometimes yeah, you gotta yeah, actually look a little bit closer to play than just uh, look at the uh, go, result. Go to the other side, right. uh, Marvin. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've already taken up a lot of your time. Go ahead. Yeah, r- real quick because right. we want to get to a few more calls here, Marvin. Okay, they, um, but before I jump to off that offensive line, real quick, um, Kyle Aletta, you got to look at his throws. They were outstanding throws. The, the one he threw out on the left side, uh, it was a deep throw. Yep. And that call for pass interference. Mm-hmm. That, that was the ball, one I referenced earlier. Yep. That ball landed perfectly into his hands if he'd have got his other hand free to make the catch. Yep. Perfect. He threw one to Lewis out in the out in the uh, on the sideline. He did. On a nice move um, by Lewis, them that was perfect on his numbers. So those throws. Don't look at how many he completed or how many he threw or how many yards. Look at the accuracy of those throws. People need to go back and look at that. Um, defensively, real quick, um, I thought the secondary, I, I was concerned about um, um, Baker Mayfield breaking them down. He did He did some things to them. But the good thing that I saw out of the defense, even though um, I think Lance said it earlier, they were in position the, the team was in position to make plays. We just didn't make those plays. Um, I think it's Kent Johnson at the corner. Um, Leonard Johnson, he yeah. Made some, he made some outstanding plays. But one thing I didn't like is his hook. He's not hooking that guy. So if he missed that ball, those guys are getting free. It was a perfect throw by um, Baker. But he went to hook him, and he's not hooking him good enough so that guy can't get away. You can hook him. You, you just got to make it clean enough that the ref. <laughs> I know what you mean. Because people got to understand, it's not hooking 
until the referee said it's hooked. That's right. So That's want. right. Well, but you got to be and, careful uh, because if you don't practice the fundamentals, then you get a ref that's going to call it all the you time. You know, and, Johnson's been in this league long enough. Oh, yes. He needs yeah. to know how to do that. Yeah. Right. Well, he, he, has to, he did it twice. He made a great play to, um, one time he dived and broke up a he play. He did. He did. Uh, he did have to really hook him. It was a mixed bag for him that night. But that that second one, he he hooked him, and and he didn't even and the receiver didn't even break stride. So he didn't hook him good enough, and the safety just blew the um, tackle, just whipped. And I always told my guys, especially safety, don't die. To me, that's just a uh, you, you just you just kind of trying to fool me, like you trying to make the play mm-hmm. and hoping you make the play. Stay on your feet and make the play. Right. You know, don't die. Yep. If you go back to that film and look at that, the, whoever the safety was, he died that in. Well, that was Orion Stewart. Stewart. Yeah, Orion Stewart it, got it, beat it, on that play. Took, yeah. It was a total blown Well, and, and that's how what could be a containment play gets blown up into a big play. And listen, right. Coach Marvin, we're going to let you go on that note. want to squeeze in a few okay. more calls before we Thank uh, you, Coach. get uh, John on the uh, lines from care, Detroit. Guys. You got it. Take care. Let's uh, hit up Bobby in Arizona. Bobby, what's happening? Hey, John. Hey, Paul. How you doing? It's Lance, Hi. but it's okay. Strike one. <laughs> hey, good. I'm a first-time first caller. Uh, I interact with you guys on Twitter. I'm Big Blue Bobby. Okay. Uh, every once in a while. Um, I just wanted to tell everybody, everyone's got to relax about the defense. Being in Arizona, I've got to watch Betcher over the years. Yeah. A lot. His teams always start off three games slow. And then the defense picks it up. Yes, he ranks in the top ten by the end of the year, but in the beginning of the year, even the even the veterans, everyone starts off about three games slow. Mm-hmm. So the preseason's going to look really bad because it's a complicated defense, just like 07 when we started off really slow with Spagnola. It's it, complicated defenses are like that, right? Well, yeah. Except the the problem is, uh, you know. Jacksonville, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, those first four yeah. games are a bear. Yeah. And and I don't know that you just want to give them a mulligan for three games and start off 0-3. I mean, you know, I, I, I've said all along I think the Giants need to be 2-2 two and two after the first four, and and that would be a, a good starting point for the season. I, I just feel like I think the in the beginning of the year here, our offense hopefully is going to have to carry us a little bit more. I, I, I mean, Arizona, here in Arizona, I mean, you can look at the stats in the first couple of years, and they've had pretty much the same people on there, and they have a lockdown corner shutting down one of the sides. And they've started off slow every year. So I just think everyone either should be a little prepared for that, mm-hmm. but the sky won't be falling because of it. Yeah, I, I think that's you know fair. I, mean? I think that's fair. You know, but again, you don't, you don't want to go over September. That would be really bad. No, absolutely not. I really, I really believe that we're going to sneak out that win in Jacksonville to open it up. I, well, that'd be a, a huge love, step in the right direction. Teams coming in. <laughs> I don't know anybody who wouldn't want that win. To be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just wanted to say that uh, I love what you guys do. I listen to you every podcast, uh, even Lance. Like you too, Lance. Uh, <laughs> well, that's great. I can't tell you how I'm going to sleep well at night knowing that. Thank you. Glad you went out of your way to mention that. Yeah. Have a great right, day. Well, Thank you. you. All right, Bobby. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. Bye. Let's go to Pete on Staten Island. Pete, what's happening? Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are you? Hello. All right, Pete. What's happening with you? 
All right, I love when I uh, follow Coach Marvin a little bit because I'm an ex-coach myself. I, I don't think I ever told you guys, you know, but I don't like going into that. Pee-wee don't matter. You know, but anyway, <laughs> come on, guys. Give me, give me a chuckle on the pee-wee thing. We did. We, we gave you no, a slight chuckle. No sweat. No yeah. sweat. All right. You know, anyway, um, I wanted to go into Davis Webb a little bit. Paul, you know what? You know what? Um, I agree with you, but I tend to disagree with you. I've been a big Davis Webb supporter just but just off of what I saw on film and whatnot. Um, yeah. You know, going back, you know, I watched maybe five or six games of film, and then I watched a little bit on the uh, the Senior Bowl. And, of course, we didn't get any flavor from him last year. However, um, after watching him the other night, that, you know, I want to say every every pass was overthrown. You know, forget about, you know, or almost. 80% of the passes were overthrown. Maybe he was amped up. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. That's the word they seem to be using. But I can't give him a pass on that, you know, as far as being amped up. You know, at some point, you have to be able to slow the game down. Mm-hmm. And if you if you make, you know, after you make the first couple of throws or, the, you know, the third throw, it's sort of like a pitcher in the game, you know, the first few, you know, in the playoff game. The first couple of balls, he might throw 103 miles an hour until he relaxes, and it might be over the catcher's head. The first few passes, okay, I'll give him a little pass. But then after that, the third or fourth one, I can't give him a pass anymore. Pete, let me ask you a question. Are are you a baseball fan at all? I, you know, Yankee? Too long, but, you know, oh, okay. I, yeah, I guess. Okay. What do, what <laughs> do you think? Too convincing, what what, I'll what tell you were that. most Yankees fans saying about Gene and Carlos Stanton after the first month of the season? They were saying, oh, yeah, they, right? That. Right? I he, oh, I uh, right? He couldn't adjust to the American League. It was the pressure of New York. It, you know, don't know if he's got the mentality. Don't know if he's got the emotional makeup and the toughness. You know, Giancarlo, all that money he's making, big hype. Well, and now look well, at we've him. We've seen it a million times. Right, right. Like right. So he actually the same thing when he went to the match. He so, did nothing. For the right. So, so, so the truth of the matter is, to to hang Davis Webb by his toenails as his critics. I'm not have, him, no, you're not. You're not. Ahead. You're not. Yeah. But there are critics out there who want to hang him by his toenails and already proclaim that he's a bust and has no chance and the Giants were wrong not to take a QB. They're doing this after seeing two quarters of the first right. preseason game. That is preposterous. That is a I agree joke. With that. I, I 1,000% agree with that. As a matter of fact, Paul, I've been on a lot of different websites and I've been arguing with guys back and forth that you can't, listen, you can't look at preseason as anything more than evaluation or whatever. Of course. And secondly, like you were saying, the second team, you know, playing with the second unit or third unit or whatever, however, however, I don't care if he was out there with the first unit. The balls were overthrown. It doesn't matter if OBJ was out there or Sterling yeah, or No Ingram. question. It was doesn't a tough matter. night. It was a bad night for him. He's not running Absolutely. away from that. He's not running away from it. It was a bad Hey, Luis Severino had a terrible night last night, too. He's not oh, running yeah. away from it. No, but my point is, you know, Paul and, and, and uh, Lance, you'd have to agree. At some time, you have to be able to mentally – Slow the slow the game down, right? Make Mm -hmm. your reads Mm -hmm. and let the ball fly. You have to slow the game down. Well, Pete, that's why it's important to see what happens in the next three games. I'm with you. I mean, Paul Paul and I spent the entire top of the show, we were talking about this very thing, and I said it's part of the evaluation for Davis Webb, but it's also not the end-all, be-all. 
So, you know, let, I, let's I see what happens moving forward. But, but I, I said the exact thing that you pointed out. I said whether he's playing with the first team, the second team, or the third team, it is what it is on film. He you, still you has can't to produce. That. He still has to produce. Yeah, you've got to take care of the yes. football. There's you've no got to question. make the decisions. There's I'm no with question. You there. There's no doubt. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and I still have the confidence in him and whatnot, but, you know, as far as giving him a pass for being amped up, I can't do that. Okay? Just slow down, slow the game down, go through your progressions, make your reads, let it fly. It's strike it's one. Simple, really, That's all it is. Yes. I mean, I know this is pro football, but it is really as simple as that. Well, you know, actually, I Pete, well, tools. I really do. one thing to say, you know? Pete, to be honest, in terms of as you continue to explain this, I, I think from talking to the people around here, they were actually happy with his reads. It was the physical throws where he was getting out of whack. And as Coach yes. Marvin said, his yeah. mechanics were not very good on those throws. That's and correct. For, and for whatever the reason was, whether or not you want to buy that he was pressing and that he was too amped up, that's your prerogative. But but I do believe it's unfair to criticize his mental processing because my understanding was he did a pretty darn good job of reading the defenses that were thrown against him. I, uh, I'm not going to argue with you, Paul. That's a uh, you know, great assessment, and I'll go along with it. Um, two things I did notice, and then I just wanted to go to Barkley real quick. Yeah. Two things I noticed with Davis on one throw, it was an out route. He threw off his right foot. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, also on a screen pass, same thing, right foot. He threw off his front right. Okay. So that that's mechanical and that can be corrected. I know that. Okay. And quickly getting to Barkley, um, you know what? People got to chill out. All right. <laughs> you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know what? Um, we're gonna we're gonna monitor him or whatever. We're gonna take it slow. Translation: We're gonna we're gonna shut him down. Basically, they're gonna shut him down. That's the way I see it. And I think it's it's very prudent for them to shut him down. I wouldn't be surprised for him to get a couple of practice reps along the way, but I don't expect to see him until the final uh, preseason game. Uh, that's my opinion. I don't know if you guys have a, have an opinion on that. Same way OBJ was basically kept yeah. out when he, he tweaked his uh, string the first year, right? Well, yeah. last year he tweaked it, if you remember, against the Cleveland Browns. And we're going to let you go on that note, Pete. Thanks so much for weighing well, in. Well, he got, he got, got hurt. hurt against the Browns. Correct. It wasn't and just then, tweaking a, a Yeah, and then, and then they moved him along slowly. They were in no rush to bring him back. Unfortunately, he then got hurt his, in that fifth game. His scenario is very plausible. You could certainly understand if the Giants don't do anything with Barkley for at least two weeks. I think that would make 100% sense. Listen, that's, I keep going back to Pat Shermer's comment. He said, we're going to be smart as mm-hmm. we move forward. So mm-hmm. that means they're going to take it slow, and they'll see what transpires moving forward. But it's not as if there's a rush to get him in the game this week. Could he play in the Jets game? It depends on how he feels. If sure. not, then maybe you wait for the Patriots game, and then you get ready for week one. So I, I think that that's uh, you know, what it comes down to. It'll be interesting to monitor. It'll be important to monitor. That goes without yes. saying. But you know how many reps he gets in the preseason, I don't think it's necessarily going to define what happens with respect to the season. The key point is you put him back on the field, Paul, when he's ready, mm-hmm. as opposed to you put him back on the field because he's itching to get back on the or field. Or because you need to win this weekend's game. Obviously, you don't right now. That's the key. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat. Let's head back to the lines. We got Duke and Queens. Duke, what's happening? You know, I have to come back on here and defend myself. Um, 
Paulie, uh, I'm not even trying to convince you that you shouldn't like Davis Webb or even any fans. Okay. I just when I look at some athletes, right? They they if you're a real talented person, if you if you're gifted, you don't ever do really bad ever. Like for the most part, and and that's in most sports. But in terms of football, you may for guys like Tom Brady. You remember Tom Brady? He was doing horrible in practice when he first came in the league, even to the point where coaches were thinking about getting rid of him. Right. And then you know when he when he got put in, you know what he did? He clutched it up and he whooped that A. That's what he did, all right? So you got a guy that's doing the opposite, a guy that's in practice killing, and then when he gets into the game, he's not doing much. I get his second string offense, but his second string defense. I get it. I get that your O-line is really, really bad compared to the, fir- uh, uh, compared to the first team's O-line, but you know what? You have to be able to keep the players alive. Our first team offense is not as good as a lot of first team's defense. Do you have okay, any so idea how bad Terry Bradshaw was as a rookie with the Pittsburgh Steelers? He put up one of the worst full-season statistical lines for a starting quarterback in NFL history. He was a total embarrassment for a full regular season. Do you think yeah. the Steelers should have given up on him? No, but no. we're we looking at but, 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 Paul, we're looking at a team that just came off a 3-13. and 13. You, you, Well, what are we going to get this? Uh, let's say Davis Webb does the same thing. But he, and, 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 and he's yeah, terrible. Yeah, but, Duke, Brooke, they, they don't need Davis Webb to be yeah, good uh, for at least a year or two, if not longer. Uh, Eli's still the guy. Yeah, and that's what I said, Duke, that, when you called it earlier. It, you know, Eli Manning's the starter. I understand that you want to solidify the number two spot, and every team should be prioritizing that. Sometimes I say the backup quarterbacks at some points one of the most overlooked positions in the NFL because you're only one play away That's true. from running the offense. So it's important. And look at the Eagles. They had a respectable backup. That's why they were able to overcome Carson Wentz. It is important, it's but huge. according to yeah. the big scope of things, the idea is Eli's going to play Without 16 a doubt. games yeah, this year. So I don't think the urgency is overwhelming this season. Oh, my God, we need Davis Webb to look like a pro bowler because if he doesn't, we're in trouble. I don't think I, that I mean, that's the point right, right. now. Let me get back in this. Yo, so, all right, tell me tell me one young quarterback that's starting right now that uh, Davis Webb is better than. All right, you can't. So tell me this now. Uh, well, 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 give me. That was well, quick. I mean, first of all, I didn't have a that chance. That was quick, right? I yeah. you well, how many, how many young, nobody. first of all, most of the young quarterbacks in this league that are starting probably had at least a regular season or a few regular season games under their belt, in fairness. So, all right, so you're talking so about Tom Brady started. He had that. Tom Brady right. got in in a regular season game. Tom when Brady Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Yeah, and, and and Davis Webb has not played in a regular yeah, be, season before, game yet. Yeah, before but, Brady, you guys are not getting. You guys are not getting that he hasn't played in a regular season game. Yeah. because he's not killing it in practice. That to the point. No, no that's not why. Wait a minute. No, no, that, Duke, that's Duke, not why. Duke, Duke, why did Eli Manning play last year? Because Eli Manning was the starter. Hello. Where, <laughs> why did Geno Smith play last year? Geno Smith. Yeah. Why did he play Be- over Davis Because Webb? that was Coach McAdoo's plan all along. That was the whole point. That's why they signed Geno Smith, because they thought they had a team that was a Super Bowl contender, and they wanted a veteran to be number two. When they put Davis Webb into training camp, they told him, you're going to redshirt this year. You're going to be the three. You're going to redshirt. Now, I know Davis has said after the fact that Coach McAdoo had told him after the Raider game that, he that would you would in. come back and yeah. play the next three. I'm not – look, I'm sure that Davis Webb heard those words from Coach McAdoo, but I will tell you other members of the coaching staff 
have said to me that was not going to be the case. That, that story is unverified. I know that Davis Webb heard those words because Davis is not a liar. I'm sure he heard those words from Coach McAdoo, Guys. but I'm telling you, I don't. I personally don't believe Davis Webb was getting in a game. Guys, Giants, uh, let, me, let, let me just make one thing straight. Giants for life, and I don't ever like talking bad about people, especially any of our players. And I'm not really talking too bad. I'm just not liking what I'm seeing. Let me ask you this. How, when should I give up on him? When should I give up? I already have, but I might give him a second chance because Good. y'all are homies. I love you guys. You I should. You should. Game. I mean, like when anything else, like anything else, I mean, I think you got to see the next few preseason games, and then I think you have more to go by in terms of having an opinion which is well-rounded about him. I mean, that's all I would say. Look, Let's I, see three more preseason and, games. And, Duke, you're going to love this because I'm giving you some leeway here. When Ryan Nassib got here, <laughs> Okay, there was a legitimate thought that he would be a solid backup quarterback in the NFL. A solid backup. That I projected I projected I it remember that. Yeah, like the Giants yeah. did. He looked like a yeah. solid backup. Okay? Some other people thought higher, but I thought solid backup. His second preseason, he certainly looked the part. But then when he came back for his third preseason, he was absolutely underwhelming. Yeah. Now, can we use that word? Well, but there was also a number of preseason he games at that time that you had on the resume. He, he could use trash. And by that point, by that point, the evidence was overwhelming that he was going in the wrong direction and it was not going to happen. And, you know, they had to do what they had to do and they moved on. Well, if that evidence presents itself with Davis Webb, in another year or two, maybe I will feel differently. The evidence will force me to feel differently. But... Now, I've seen this guy too much over the course of the last year. Let me say this to you. The Davis Webb I saw the other night against the Cleveland Browns, that is the worst I've seen him look probably since last August, maybe last September, when he would come out before kickoff and throw three hours before a game. He hasn't looked that bad in a long, long, long time. So I'm looking at it. It's an aberration for me. I get the feeling that you guys think I, I saw him in this one game and then I would hate him. Yo, he's had a year to develop. I'm not saying that's a long time. But have you seen it? But, but, have, you, but have, you, yeah, but have you seen Have you seen any of that stuff? Have you been out here three hours before a game watching him throw all the routes on the route tree? Have you watched that? No. But I, no. I, I, show, I, I highlight you and I show support. That's how you know I'm a devoted fan. All right, you know what Duke. I'm saying? Duke. At the at the end of the day, we got We got to let you go because we got John. No, one more question. Well, no, no, Duke. One, Duke. Uh, well, one Duke. Question. Duke. No, no. We got to let you go. We're, we're we're up against the end of the Paul's clock tomorrow. here, Paul, and we got we Paul, got a, a guest tomorrow. on from Detroit. Paul, when, Paul but, when should I give up on him? That last question. Go another two years. Listen. All right, thank calls you. tomorrow. Thank the, you. the main point. Right, the, the main point that we were emphasizing, just to close the door on this conversation, because I didn't think it was going to become the Davis Webb no, show. No, it's amazing. But he's got five preseason games. Ryan Nassib, to your point, had we're talking about three full preseasons to go by. So a number of more games in terms of the evaluation. And the error was going down toward the end. Yeah. So you knew well, what like anything happened. else. The sample size should should, should be anyway. big enough before you make declarations about players. Yes, Josh oh, well, Melk is go. on the line. Joining us from Detroit is the Giants and the Lions had their first joint practice. How are we doing, John? 
All I could hear while Brandon had me on the line there waiting for the bus to empty out was Paul yelling at a poor caller about something. I'm just not sure what it was. Oh, you know exactly what it was, John. Yeah, I think you know what it is about, John. I mean, you put two and two together. You think about his most passionate subject. I think you understand what we were talking about. You know, everybody wants to jump off the bridge off of uh, Davis's performance the other night. But anyway, tell us a little bit about what happened this morning at practice, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, By the way, I apologize for being on so late in the show, but media valves ended around like – 105, and then they ushered us immediately onto a bus. Uh, it was a pretty empty bus when I got on. I went in the back. I'm like, oh, I can make the call from the bus. It'll be great. Then about a dozen players sat literally around me in a circle as the bus pulled out. I think so, they would have loved to hear your commentary, though. The show while the players were all sitting Not a good idea. Yeah. Um, so, so that's why I'm late. I literally just walked off the bus at the hotel in Detroit. Anyway, um, the highlight of practice for me today, guys, was first of all, there was, there was no Barkley. Uh, he did not work. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., Basically, practiced in full. Um, if he got less reps, I didn't notice it. And he was uncoverable. Um, he was great. Uh, fantastic. In fact, the whole first team offense was wonderful pretty much the entire day. I think through the first three phases of practice, I think Eli threw one incomplete pass over the first three periods. Mm. Um, and then the, the only blemish throughout the day for the first team offense uh, was during the last period. They were on the field together as a team in two minutes. Uh, they marched all the way down the field. They crossed the 50. Uh, in fact, Eli hit Odell Beckham Jr. on a crossing route that I think would have went for a touchdown. Uh, but the Detroit player was kind of in the air. You know how they kind of blow those plays dead yeah. if the defensive player is close enough. So they blew that play dead um, at like the 25 or so. And then on the next play, um, Eli was a little bit late on a throw to Evan Ingram over the middle, and a lion safety jumped around and got the pick. So that was really the only blemish on what otherwise was a fantastic day for the Giants' first-team offense. They were great. Very cool. Did you get a chance at all to see uh, the offensive line's uh, trenches drills? Okay, so here's what we did. Me and David Deal were the two guys kind of from our department really hardcore watching practices. And like I said on the show yesterday, there's a million things happening at the same time. Right. So um, I sent the expert, David Deal, over there to watch the offensive and defensive line one-on-ones, and I got a full report from him. Okay. Um, so I'll, do you want me to start with the Giants' offensive line or defensive line? Let's, start with the, let's go with the offense first. All right, offensive line first, as I put my notes here from what Mr. Deal told me. Um, uh, shoulder was very good against Ansa, had two good reps, rode him outside and around the quarterback. He was very good. Um, he thought Jalapio had the best set of reps of any giant offensive lineman during one-on-ones. Uh, he thought he did a really good job of absolutely stonewalling the guy in front of him. Uh, he thought Hernandez was very good on his first rep. Not as good on his second, but he got the job done. His technique could have been a little bit better. Um, and Omame was, was, was solid. And then Flowers did get beat on the outside by Devon Kennard on, uh, on one of his reps. So uh, mostly good, but there were a couple things that need a little okay. work. What did and you, then on the defensive yeah, side of the ball, I should say, um, Vernon was great. Uh, he basically, from what Deal told me, took Decker to school a little bit um, and, and really got into the backfield, did a great job. Uh, Terry went in a good snap out of the three technique, and uh, Robert Thomas basically put the uh, line center on his rear end when he <laughs> took his rep wow. uh, during one-on-one. So uh, those are the guys that, that, that stood out in the O-line, D-line portion. Robert Thomas with a good week. Yeah, especially what he yeah, did to that absolutely. Cleveland center. Yeah, he actually also would have had a sack during team period as well. Wow. Nice. 
I was just curious, John, because Pat Shermer spoke a lot about knowing Matt Patricia beforehand and that they would have a good grasp on practice. What was the tone of these practices like overall? I'm assuming nothing got to the point where the chippiness factor was at an all-time high. Nothing even close to chippiness uh, being thought about. It was one of the most professional, well-run things that I've seen. Um, even nice. on one-on-ones, in one-on-ones where there was a lot of competition, you saw guys kind of you know slapping themselves in the helmet and you know putting their arm around them after the play. So I think both coaches made it. And those are the buses driving by, by the way. I think both coaches made it abundantly clear uh, to their team that there were to be no shenanigans, and I thought both teams handled. Uh, the days work extremely well. I did watch the wide receiver DB one on ones, which I thought were interesting. Yeah, and I, I thought the Giants. I thought the Giants' offense really, really did well. To be honest with you, um, Odell, you couldn't cover him. I thought he was fantastic. Shepard and Ingram did a really good job in those reps as well. And even Hunter Sharp and Cody Latimer were getting some separation uh, on those defensive backs for the Lions. On the other side, uh, I thought Eli Apple and, and, and Janoris Jenkins played well, as you would expect. And then I think the, the, the guys that passed them in the secondary maybe gave up a couple of catches. So um, I think the things that I felt really good about heading into this week, I think look pretty good. Uh, the stuff that I worried about, eh, maybe I'm still looking for a little bit more. Uh, during team portions, the only guy that really got consistent pressure was Olivier Vernon. Um, I, by the way, oh, Paul, you'll be excited about this. Avery Moss was excellent today with really? the team defense. He was in the backfield a lot in passing situations. I thought he played very, very well. Keep an eye on him, man. These next three preseason games, he is so intriguing to me. I just, I just don't know what how high that upside's going to go. He could be sky's the limit. I just don't know, John. What about? Well, uh, the, thing, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that. How many pass rushers going to keep? I mean, you already have Vernon, Martin, Barwin, Carter. I guess you can keep a fifth guy out there if, if Moss is oh. good enough, but I think that's the limit, right? John, yeah. if he can get to the quarterback, he's going to stay. Trust me. <laughs> Absolutely, no question. <laughs> uh, what about the Giants? You, you said the Apple and, um, and uh, Jenkins were solid in the one-on-ones. What about in the team drills? Who was playing free safety and nickel? Um, you know what? I'm not positive who was playing nickel. I know for sure that for the second straight day, Curtis Riley was the starting free safety. Okay. So I'm not going to say that he's cemented himself there, but given it's almost been like a switch somebody out every day type of deal for the Giants at free safety this year, um, I thought it was telling that for a second mm-hmm. straight day, he was the starting free safety. I'll go back, I'll look at the notes, and I'll see if I... I you know, it was B.W. Webb. I'm 90% sure it was B.W. Webb that was the... That was, that was the starting slot with the first team, now that I think about it. And that's been a trend for the last week or so, too, John. Correct. And then, you know, uh, Leonard Johnson got a couple reps in there, too. I'm not sure if it was the ones or not, but he was also in the slot. But uh, BWF was out there. He made a couple plays, gave up a couple catches. He was okay. So, does, so John, does that mean Dante Dion is still sidelined with a hamstring injury? Yes. I have a list of the guys that did not practice. I will give them to you. Okay. Uh, no Saquon Barkley, um, no Dante Dion, no R.J. McIntosh, no Connor Barwin, who did talk to the media after practice. And he said it's not really an injury for him. It's kind of just body maintenance and general soreness for him. He's old. Um, still no death. <laughs> and somebody asked him, well, was that because you didn't really do anything in the spring? He goes, hey, you know, I don't want to overthink it, but... I'm a little sore, and I asked the coach for some maintenance days, and he was fine with it, given my experience. So that's what he's doing. Uh, Darian Thompson, no. And then I think that's a 57? No, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, 57. Armbrister still wasn't practicing. So those are the guys that were out. 
What kind of drills did they do with the kickers, John, if, if at any at all? They did punt return and they did field goals. And uh, did Rosas fare farewell? I mean, I, I'm getting the impression that he and Cohn are going to alternate based on what Coach Shermer told us in the pre-broadcast meeting last week. I don't know what he plans to do against Detroit, but, you know, that's still a situation the Giants have to settle. Rosas kicked today. Uh, Cone didn't in field goals. Unfortunately, when Rosas did his field goal drills, they did not have the officials underneath the goalpost signaling good or no good. Oh, So I, I can't tell you for sure because, you know, on the sideline, it's kind of hard from that angle to tell whether or not they went in sometimes. By my rankings, I had him 6-7 on field goals today. But, again, that miss could have been a make. It could have been wide right. I wasn't positive. Okay, gotcha. In terms of punt returns, did anyone in particular stand out to you that the Giants utilized back there, or was pretty much the regular no, guys? Uh, yeah, same guys, Lance. Same, same guys. Hunter Sharp was back there. Beckham was back there. Okay. Uh, Shepard was back there. Same guys we've seen throughout camp. Did, uh, did the Lions do a lot of uh, back shoulder throws? <laughs> I'm curious after what happened with the Browns game the other night. In fact, I don't think I saw – I was watching the defense a little bit more than the offense, Paul. I did not see one back shoulder throw. How about that? Yeah, well, that was something Shermer said they were going to work on. I know. The, the Giants uh, the want to work on that. Yeah. I would think he would have told Matt Patricia, throw a bunch of those in practice because our guys need, need the work. Interesting. And you know what? That, 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 that might not be in the Lions' playbook, though. I'm not sure. That's true, too. Yeah. Maybe Stafford doesn't want to throw that route. Well, yeah, they do by have... the way, watching Stafford throw the football is fun, though. Boy, does that guy have a cannon? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, and he's got three nice wide receivers to work with, too. So the Giants' secondary mm -hmm. was tested with Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, and Kennedy Galladay, who's entering year two. It's not as if they were going out there against unknown guys. John, what's on tap for yeah, tomorrow dude, now? There were, there were a couple plays, lands to that where Eli Apple had some great coverage in the middle of the field, and Stafford just throws this rocket up and away from the defensive back, and the Lions wide receiver went up to get the ball. So, yeah, there were some very nice plays in the yeah. Lions offense. Do, do you have a, a, an idea of the itinerary for tomorrow? Um, I do not have it. I believe uh, what Chilmer said after practice, that it will be a very similar day to today. Today was a pretty long practice. It was almost you know two and a half hours pretty much, maybe close to three. Mm. Uh, we were on the field from almost 10.45 um, – yeah, I'm not even earlier than that. Probably like 9.45 to uh, almost 12, 12-something. 12 so we were, we were on the field for a while, and I expect tomorrow's practice to be similarly long. And I think he said they're going to do more situational stuff tomorrow. So maybe uh, they did 7-on-7 seven seven red zone today where um, Eli Manning was, again, wonderful. Um, and I think you'll probably see more red zone and third down situational stuff tomorrow would be my guess. John, before I, I, I finish up here, you know it's been hot and humid here for most of the practices during Giants training camp. What is it like out there? Lovely. Um, it was probably when practice started in the high 70s. It probably got to the low 80s once we got towards midday, towards noon, and uh, things like that. Not nearly as humid, a little bit steamy, but it's been a nice reprieve from the Swamp Fest that we've had at the Quest Diagnostic Training Center. <laughs> yeah, Swamp Fest would be a nice way to describe it. So. Almighty. Yeah. Oh, so what, what's up, before we let you go, any uh, special dinner plans in the Motown area? Or you guys are staying put around the hotel. 
Yeah, you know what? We're, we're, we're pretty far out of the city center, like 25, 30 minutes. So I don't know if that's going to happen. There was some talk about maybe trying to go see the White Sox play the Tigers ah, tonight. Ah, okay. Um, that'll be the only opportunity okay. to, uh, to, to go see the Tigers. They play a day game tomorrow, then they hit the road. So that perhaps could be on the agenda. Um, other than that, we have not explored um, many restaurants yet. Good okay. news, John. Since yeah. you were in Detroit last night, you didn't have to watch the Mets stomp on the Yankees, and it was not pretty. Do you think something's wrong with Severino? Uh, it's got to be. It's got to be. He just got absolutely thumped, and it didn't get any better when the bullpen came in. Anyway, we'll, well talk to you tomorrow, John. Sounds good, John. All right, I, I, I will try to get a little early with you guys tomorrow. If not, I'll give you a call as soon as you get back to the hotel again. Thank you. All right, there we go. John Schmuck in Motown giving us the latest for the Lions-Giants joint practices. Well, the Tigers are not necessarily in the thick of things, so you can take it easy if you do go and watch a Tigers game as opposed Might to the Yankees game. Might not be too hard to get tickets. That's what we're going to say, yeah. <laughs> Though they did have a nice offensive performance last night. Not that anybody is too worried about that but that's the latest so we appreciate everybody for tuning in john will have reports every single day as they have joint practices mm-hmm. wednesday and thursday so he'll give us the latest and you'll have big blue kickoff live each and every day starting at 1 p.m eastern so stay locked to giants.com for all the latest for paul Dettino, i'm lance meadow have a good rest of your tuesday right here on giants.com have a good one